TSL. This is the Satin Lounge. Breathe it in. Tonight, it is such an honor to have someone who I consider to be one of our most inspirational guests to date. Um, he's a Toronto-based actor, artist, singer, songwriter, guitarist, and the frontman for the rock band The Clicks. The Clicks have toured with the legendary Cindy Lauper, some of you are familiar, and uh, rock veteran Ian Ashbery of The Cult. And in 2006, our guest made history when he became the first out transgender man to be signed to a major label, record label, and he continues to be one of the most visible transgender persons in the music industry. Um, he's here to share his incredible journey and celebrate the release of the Click's brand new CD, Black Tie Elevator. Satin Lounge, please help me welcome the inspirational, courageously gifted Lucas Silvera. Hello. Hello. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> you are an introduction. <laughs> I love that you are here. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I am beyond excited to spend some time with you tonight. Uh, your mere existence is an inspiration, sir. And oh, wow. I'd like to uh, go back a little bit to the beginning to uh, get people more familiar with you and your journey. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Um, how did you get started in music? Uh, what drew you to this art form of expression? Well, I was born into a very musical family and a family that really loved music. Uh -huh. I, um, uh, my family's Portuguese, and when I was little, I, I was born in Toronto, but I moved to a little island in the Azores um, okay. in Portugal when I was four. And between the ages of four and ten, I lived there. And, you know, everybody there just loved music. Yeah, it music. was a very small place, mm -hmm. and 600 people lived there in my village. Mm. Every village had a marching band, so part of what we did because we didn't have much else was you know just get together and yeah. play songs and and it was just a part of celebrating life so you know my dad was a singer mm -hmm. my brother was a musician it, it it was just something that was brought to me uh, as opposed to me going to it and it just mm -hmm. always felt very natural that was very natural to be a part of it okay well we can tell that it, it feels very natural when i hear your music it's uh it seems like it's rooted in some tradition somewhere. Like you, you listen to the influences of old and you incorporate that in your music. I can hear the resonance in your voice. Um, in 2004, Satin Lounge, uh, I want to tell you more about him. He put together a band called The Clicks. Uh, was the Clicks were was an all female rock group with the exception of you? Is that a pretty decent description there? Yeah, it originally was an all female rock group because uh, when I first started the band, I actually hadn't transitioned yet, so mm -hmm. that was definitely its original, um, mm -hmm. you know, form. I guess. And then when I transitioned, it became an all-female, with the exception of myself, yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm right. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, Sun Lounge, just like two years later, uh, the Clicks were very successful. The Clicks had released their first two major label projects, uh, Snake House and Dirty King with Warner Music Canada and Tommy Boy here in the U.S. Both releases were very successful. They brought them uh, international recognition. And Lucas, it seems as though you were kind of like at the height of your career when you chose to, you know, publicly 
announce your transformation. Uh, such a brave step. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that particular journey? Sure. Um, you know, we had yeah, definitely had some success as mm-hmm. far as, you know, a, a band of our, you know, background yeah. uh so it was very, very interesting because with our first record, we sort of, you know, automatically, like you said, we we're on this True Colors tour with Cindy Lauper. Right. So things started happening quite quickly. And, um, you know, I had just come out as a trans man right before that record, Snake House, um, was made and released. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was something very interesting for me because I was transitioning um, emotionally and psychologically mm-hmm. uh, publicly. So it was a lot of pressure. And I, I felt as as much as I was very happy to, to be in the place that I was, I was also very confronted by the fact that I was telling people that I was male and mm-hmm. that I was going by Lucas, but, you know, my physical appearance still appeared, you know, female. female. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very tough for me to be in that position in a place that I wanted to be and that I, I had wanted to be my entire life mm-hmm. um, and not really being recognized as being uh, male. Yeah. And it became very, very disturbing to me emotionally to mm-hmm. have this public persona where I was telling people who I was, but I wasn't being validated or treated as though I was and meaning receiving the energy that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that really, really messed with my head. And mm-hmm. um, I just became really, really unhappy outside of the band and within the band. There was also, you know, problems because of it, um, because of myself, my unhappiness and the mm-hmm. band's unhappiness for many other reasons. And it just got to a point where everybody was so unhappy and that was at the release of our second album and right. actually the band for their own, you know, reasons decided that they were going to leave. Uh, part of it had to do with the fact that, you know, me being transgender right. was, was the focus of the band. Mm. And I just decided, you know what? They're unhappy. They're leaving. What do I do now? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I got to make myself happy, too. And I was very unhappy. I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the insides of the music industry, per se. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of exploitation of artists. And with myself, there was that particular element on a very extreme level. Um, you know, everything was about me being trans. Uh-huh. And Mm-hmm. So I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to take these steps. And I actually didn't announce it. I just sort of did it without telling anybody. And mm-hmm. as I was going forward in it, everything sort of like fell apart uh, as I was deciding to move through it. And everybody's like, oh, you know, you took such a, a big risk. Mm-hmm. You might have lost your entire career. But at the same time, all I could think about was I'm not happy where I am. You and want to lose yourself. a career if I can't be myself. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What was your... Um support system during that time were you i mean who stood with you how did you get through that psychological you know turning point well to be honest me you <laughs> you, you know? yourself and i those three people i get yeah it. <laughs> i mean i had a partner at the time that you know had was very very supportive mm-hmm. um at the beginning but as I began to change and look more male, mm-hmm. something sort of switched in her. It's something that actually is very common um, yeah. with uh, with people who are with other people who transition. It's very, you know, and I don't blame her per se. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing to see somebody who you know and love and mm-hmm. are in a relationship with suddenly becoming somebody else. And mm-hmm. um, there's really no 
you know, support system for that. There's really no, you know, right. uh, my, my partner is transgender and transitioning, you know, support group um, mm-hmm. that I know of. Wow. And so because of that, it, it became a very, very solitary and a very alone thing. And I also right. found it very, very difficult to reach out to other trans guys because I'm an artist and I have a very particular sort of like way of being and uh, you know nobody told me about the emotional um mm-hmm. you know changes that were going to happen and that for me was one of the biggest focuses because of the fact that i was an artist so i pay attention to that mm-hmm. everybody was always like oh you know i'm growing facial hair and my muscles are growing mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff but as and as well as being a singer i didn't really have anybody to go to so i had to really do a lot of my own researching and go after people as opposed to people being there for me you know but i did have some really really good friends Mm -hmm. who stood by me and uh but yeah i think a lot of it was me and it's not because i didn't have it around me i think it's just i have the nature of being one of these people who who you know i could do it myself kind of thing Uh and don't particularly like to ask for help and i should have you know but did you did you experience uh the extreme of prejudice from even the community uh how how did people react to your story well, to your journey were were well it was when you say community i assume you mean the lgbt community i i am and and let me let okay. me clarify that um i guess more specifically what i mean is um why do you think transgendered people are so mysterious to everyone including the lgbt community (laughs) what are some of the misconceptions that you experienced as a transgender man well i think the greatest you know the most common thing that people think is that we are mentally ill and I think that's, you know, such a horrible stigma because mm-hmm. we obviously mm-hmm. are not. And interestingly enough, it is that energy that is thrown to us that mm-hmm. creates our mental instabilities because it's very, very difficult to be a person who knows who they are mm-hmm. and tell somebody and then have the entire world look at, back at you like you're nuts. Right. And that's when we start going, wait a second, if they think I'm nuts, mm-hmm. then maybe I am nuts. And the self-doubt comes in, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a really tricky thing. I think that was probably the most difficult thing for me mm-hmm. in every part of my transition because transitioning isn't just like, you know, one day you wake up, you find out you're trans or you've mm-hmm. always known and you decide to start and then you end. It's, it's a process and it's a lifetime process, especially if mm-hmm. you're older and yeah. you um, are used to being seen as a certain person you are socialized as a certain gender and it's a a huge you know um it's a huge thing to take on not just physically and but also like how people perceive you from one end to the other and i think when it came to the lesbian and gay community specifically the lesbian community which i was involved in at the time because Mm -hmm. i was you know identifying as a lesbian and as a woman Mm -hmm. it was hard for me because not when i trans not when i told people i was trans when i told people i was trans everybody was fine with it everybody was good Mm -hmm. and i lived as a trans person but without testosterone for about five years and everything seemed fine i'd had top surgery that Mm -hmm. was one process where you know some people kind of were like oh wait a second are you sure you want to do that and i was like I thought that I told you who I was. So it was one 
So that's why, you know, I had to babysit people through through mm-hmm. that physical change. And then when I wow, decided babysit to... babysit other people through your transition. Oh, yeah. You wow. know, that's what I mean. Like, instead yeah. of taking care of myself, that's why I didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. when I started testosterone because all I could think about was all these people looking at me like I was nuts and me already having, you know, to deal with the mm-hmm. possibility of losing my career because I might lose my voice if yeah. I took testosterone and all these things. And I was like, you know what? I can't worry about other people right now. So... Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that piece, when I finally went on testosterone, I did have a huge problem, especially with the female community mm-hmm. that I'm still dealing with to this day. Mm-hmm. And now, because I've come up with a new record, at that point it was suddenly I was not being welcomed into all female spaces, which mm-hmm. I understand the need for female spaces, but not places that were necessarily, you know, sectioned off as all female or, mm-hmm. you know, places that were inclusive right. to me before suddenly wanted me out because I was passing his mail. And well, I found that really problematic. That's interesting. Look, here's a question. Uh, are, and I don't mean to sound ignorant. I hope that you can educate all of us because there are some mm-hmm. things I'm really curious about. Are transgender people transitioning out of the community no longer homosexual but heterosexual is that maybe where some of this disdain comes from or this non-inclusion comes from or what what is happening I'm not sure. I think with every single person, it's a different narrative. Um, so, you know, I can't speak but for mm-hmm. other people, but I do know that there are a lot of people that uh, want to stay within the community because mm-hmm. they feel it is, you know, their community mm-hmm. and their family. Mm-hmm. And it seems a very natural transition for a lot of people to yes. to go into the lesbian and gay community and then transition out, of, not transition out of it, but they try to transition within. Okay. I think the problem is that there is a specific mindset with certain lesbian and gays where they believe that they do not want to be affiliated with trans people and then there are other trans people who do not want to be affiliated with the gay community because of the fact that, you know, gender is gender, it's not sexuality. And I get that piece, you know. I totally get it. But at the same time, I think that we make perfect allies for each other. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that we have faced depression, even if it's from a different, you know, point of view, mm-hmm. one is sexuality, one right. is gender identity. Right. So it's a very muddy kind of like place for some people. Mm-hmm. I personally love the lesbian and gay community and I've considered myself a part of it for years, mm-hmm. even as a trans person. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm always kind of like, but am I a part of it anymore? I'm not sure, not because I don't want to be a part of it but because mm-hmm. i feel sometimes i feel pushed out of it that's interesting yes mm-hmm. it's just such a i was speaking to you uh, another guest that we're, that we were having pillow talk with and that was one of the things that we discussed was you know sometimes transgender um persons are transcends transitioning out of and why do we have such a stigma where we feel like we need to uh, kind of turn our back on them like they're no longer us um Mm -hmm. when i think at the end of the day transgender gay lesbian straight we're just people and we yeah how about about we not do you know how about we put all these alphabets down for a little while you know the lg and the b and the t (laughs) can we just you know love one another and see each other for our spirit and not you know so much for the physicality of a thing um, your story is completely inspirational. Uh, what did you learn most about yourself uh, through this process? You know, I think the one thing that I've really, really learned is that 
um, is something that people have been telling me for years. And I always sort of shook my head at it, at it and I was just like, why is everybody always saying that? Which was that, um, you know, I had courage. Mm-hmm. And I always told people, you know, I, I'm not, I'm no, no more courageous or brave than anyone else, or, you know, in the world. And I still believe that. I believe everybody. I don't know about that, Lucas. Wait, go well, ahead. you know, <laughs> I think it's within us all. I yeah. think the only yeah. difference for some of us is that we decide that we're going to, you know, take the steps that we have to to make ourselves happy. And I think right. the one thing I learned about myself is that I am not willing in any way in yes. the world to live a lie anymore. Wow. I refuse and I refuse to be around anything that feels untrue or ungenuine. And this includes Mm -hmm. people in my life. This includes, you know, being a part of a music industry that feels not genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, well, aren't you looking for a record deal? And I'm like, no, I'm not looking for a record deal because Mm -hmm. I know what being in a record deal means. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it means, you know, having to do things that I don't want to do as an artist, you know? So Mm -hmm. to me, it's just about finding my own truth and being true to myself and finding truth in in, in people around me and, Mm -hmm. you know, being genuine in that yeah yeah well, what i find most inspirational about you is that you you allowed nothing as you just mentioned nothing to take away the the music you know your expression your voice your gift um and i think that's inspirational to other people as well uh Sand lounge in 2007 the toronto star deemed Lucas as a transgender pop heartthrob <laughs> and uh, the title uh, was cemented in 2010 when um, he was voted sexiest Canadian man in the chart attack end of the year survey. How do you feel when you hear accolades like that Lucas? Well, you know, yeah, I, like, you know. I, I chuckle, <laughs> I chuckle a little bit. It's, it's funny, it's yeah. cute, you know, uh-huh. and I always tell people, I think the most important part of, of that, you know, besides it stroking my ego a little bit, uh-huh. of course it does, you uh-huh. know, why wouldn't it, is the fact that, you know, somebody like myself, meaning a trans person, mm-hmm. um, was deemed that. Mm-hmm. And um, when that title came, you know, from... Uh, voters, um, not by, uh, you know, a couple of people in a, in a publication that said, let's do this. It mm-hmm. was actually, you know, I won with Canadian voters. And I thought that that was a very, very inspiring thing, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but for a lot of young people who are probably sitting around who are trans, mm-hmm. who feel ugly and feel like freaks and feel alone mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that that was a really, really important thing because it's little things like that, especially in popular media. Mm-hmm. Um, and little in, validations. In yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. it makes them feel like, oh, look, there's a representation of myself, mm-hmm. you know, and that to me was something that I never had as a kid. I always tell people when I was a kid, the closest I ever got to looking, you know, at a rock band or looking on TV and seeing a representation of myself mm-hmm. was, you know, Ziggy Stardust. It was David Bowie, you know, who was uh-huh. androgynous or seeing <laughs> Chrissy Hind, who was a female who was sort of like, you know, dressed in suits or, you know, I remember the first time I saw um, a a Eurythmics video with Annie Lennox Uh wearing a suit and short hair, it blew my mind. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. And I was so like fascinated Mm -hmm. by that, but that was truly the closest I ever got to Mm -hmm. that. So that's what it does for me. For me, it just makes me happy that there's some young kid out there probably going, you know, cool, I'm not a freak, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very, very simple to me like that. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, that's the message that's the most important that you you're okay, you know? Yeah. Um, We have to take a break, but when we come back, 
We'll get into the brand new CD by The Clicks with the front man, uh, Lucas Severa, and uh, their brand new sound, man. You don't want to miss this. I want to play a track right now, actually, from your 2011 release, Mockingbird, if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely not. We'll be back with more of the inspirational Lucas Severa. This is I'm Your Man in the Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. Breathe it in. If you want a lover, I'll do anything you ask me to. The Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. This is Jen Foster. Hi, this is Kyler England of The Rescues. Peace and love. This is Tracy Cruz. This is Nicole Kahn, writer-director of A Perfect Ending, where we are breathing it in with the wonderful, delicious Kia. Hey, everybody. This is George Shirley James, and around from the Tom John Morning Show. You listen to the Satin Lounge with the satin sounds of a satin lady. Kia Renee, baby. You're listening to the Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. Celebrating creativity and diversity in the LGBT community and the world abroad. And we're back inside Pillow Talk with out transgendered frontman for the clicks, Lucas Severa. Uh, four letter words from the new CD, Black Tie Elevator, is what we just heard featuring Sky. Is it Chevalot, Lucas? Chevalot. Sky Chevalot. Chevalot. Yeah. Your lady love, is that right? That is correct, you, my fiancé. Very nice. Congratulations. Thank you. How did you two come together to collaborate with that song? Well, when I uh, was writing for the record, that was actually one of the sort of songs that was like meandering around my brain when I uh, was putting together the record. Mm -hmm. And um, I had written it very much about you know meeting somebody new and uh, about everything that a person goes through mm -hmm. when they don't really want to tell somebody what they're thinking they want you to think something but you're not sure what you want them to think those little mind games you play oh, when wow. you first meet somebody and you oh, fall, yeah. in love, fall in love with them you you kind of want them to think that you you only you only want to you know one four-letter word with them but <laughs> at the same time you have another four-letter word in your head and you're like i don't really want to admit it so that's sort of like you know and when i met her words, yeah. and uh i found out she could sing and after you know everything sort of came together between us and we fell in love and everything i was just like this song it's what i call a future song it was one of those songs mm -hmm. that i wrote that was not necessarily about her but it became about her so oh. it just made perfect sense for her to sing on it wow i bet sky is blushing right now <laughs> <laughs> i love that let's talk a little bit more about black tie elevator now that title is interesting what is the album uh title mean well it was uh, a dream that i had a sort of what i call a prophetic dream um mm -hmm. i uh i sometimes you know think i shouldn't say this out loud to people because you know they already think i'm probably nuts but um i'm a little bit psychic and okay. i have these visions sometimes and i'm very you know probably about a year before you know um Dirty King, the record came out, and mm -hmm. the other band left. I had this dream um, about going up uh, in a building into my old manager's office and basically firing him, and and then meeting my band up in on the roof of this gigantic building, mm -hmm. and basically telling them that I was leaving. And everybody was very angry and sad, and I was very very calm about everything. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I my physicality was still female, and mm -hmm. um, as I was coming down the elevator. Um, 
my body sort of started transitioning into this sort of suit and tie. Wow. And uh, and I just remember the door opening, right before the door opening, feeling complete and happy. And when the door opened, I woke up. And I knew what was going to happen. I oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, you're going to put that dream into a video form? I'm hoping. <laughs> that is fascinating. I would like to see that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be nice in the, in, a, in the video of the next single or something. I'd love to see it. That's actually a good idea. I might take that from you. Yeah, take it. Take it. Use it. I'll smile when I watch it. It's all good. (laughs) Um, I mentioned earlier that you're also an artist. Uh, You created the artwork for the cover of this Yep, that's a painting I made. I'm actually looking at it right now. The machinery or whatever is happening in the back of the head. uh, Mm -hmm. What's going on there? Well, um, like I said, sort of, you know, it was the me coming down in the elevator and uh, when I spoke to my it was actually my producer's idea she is one of the most amazing human beings I know and a very you know um, visual person and also makes films and, and videos and we were, I was talking to her about you know what am I going to do this album cover about you know I, I'm so sick of putting myself on the cover mm-hmm. and my you know my manager of course is like you need to put yourself on the cover and they both said the same thing which is you know why don't you just since you paint paint something so I was talking to Hill Kirkudis who's the producer and she started going on about steampunk art um, uh, and I started looking up the mechanics of, a, of an elevator mm-hmm. because of the connection to the dream mm-hmm. and so I just sort of went off of it because I believe that I, you know internally I had changed so much in the last couple of years mm-hmm. and that my brain was working differently that this was sort of like the connection to you know wow. myself and, and, and becoming who I was and right. my new mechanics in, in my head so that's what all that's about right well I knew it was something <laughs> profoundly deep when I <laughs> so, something's going on inside the brain I get that part <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to uh, play some snippets from uh, Black Tie Elevator, if you don't mind. Um, share a little bit of it with the Satin Lounge. Is that cool? Absolutely. All right. Um, there's a clip uh, from uh, one of the singles or one of the songs that I like so much. It's called Still. But you'd rather fade into the crowd and Lucas, I love the bluesy, sexy, soulful thing that's happening to your voice. Um, How has your music changed for you, in your opinion? What can we expect on this album? Well, it's extremely different. Um, I don't think there are any, you know, elements of my old voice left, really, besides the fact that you know, some tonality, um, little nuances here. Yeah. Nuances, mm-hmm. Essentially, but everything else is, it's profoundly different. I mean, it's one thing to say that you've grown as an artist and it's another thing to say that you've gone from being one gender to the other. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I really can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. All I know is that as my voice changed, mm-hmm. I think I started becoming very, very comfortable. Right writing and singing songs that of the type of music that I had always, always loved, which was soul music mm-hmm. and music that I'd grown up with, that for some reason in my female voice, I just didn't feel genuine in it. And I really can't 
tell you why that is. I, mm-hmm. it, it was just that was the attachment I had to it. Mm-hmm. I also think, um, you know, my songwriting changed to a more, you know, soulful and Motown mm-hmm. blues sort yeah. of like place. Yeah. Because I was changing and becoming comfortable with that element of my past. And um, you can absolutely yeah. hear that. I was uh, when I was listening to the the uh, CD. I. Uh, that's one of the things that that came across my mind. I was like, you know, when you, you were in the clicks and some of the um, previous albums that you put out, you know, they were very high energy. There was, it just didn't. You're so laid back in in yeah. this album. <laughs> it's, you're cool. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know that soulful well, element brings it out too. But you're just so cool with the. I can see the you know the cigar, the cigarette in the corner <laughs> of your mouth, and the hat tilted to the side. You know. I see that vibe and that energy. I do hear um, some of your soulful influences. Uh, matter of fact, on the first single that you guys dropped, uh, which the uh, music video is featured right now at the thesatinlounge.com. Check it out for Savannah. Um, am I, I'm hearing the musical arrangements of, well, frankly, I think I'm hearing Amy Winehouse or it could yeah. be... Motown 60s girl groups or something. I'm hearing that rhythm section. I guess I'm, I'm, let me just let them hear what I'm talking about. Stone cold. Don't you know you are my heart? That's a hot song. I love it. Thank you. The rhythm is and the energy in it. But I totally hear that uh, Motown rhythm section that has influenced you so much and uh, can relate to it as well. Um, Who are some of your uh, musical influences? Well, you know, it goes from A to Z, really. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for this particular record, um, definitely Amy Winehouse was one of those people who woke up my. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Totally. She's I mean, one of my favorite to, artists, too. <laughs> when Back to Black came out, um, yes. I was just brought back to all of that stuff that I used to listen to when I was, you know, between the ages of 10 to 15. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I used to love, like, Smokey Robinson and Michael mm-hmm. Jackson and mm-hmm. the Jackson 5, mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye, Otis Redding, that kind of stuff, you know. Otis and I also Redding, moved yes, into, sir. <laughs> yeah, and I, I loved rock and roll as well. And for me, one of the greatest influences I had growing up, and, you know, a lot of people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. really. But it was Lenny Kravitz. I love oh, yeah. Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. I'm not really. I, That's good. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, but I know I, people always say to me, really? And I'm like, yeah, really. Go listen to <laughs> Let Love Rule. It's like oh, a yeah. phenomenal record. Same with Mama Said. Like, mm-hmm. my mama said that record is, like, filled with all of those, like, old school, you know, blues, jazz, mm-hmm. you know, soul soul pieces, you know, yeah. Curtis Mayfield and, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, it's it's such a fantastic record and I grew up listening to that stuff with a mix of rock and roll and Mm -hmm. I think when Amy came out with that record Mm -hmm. it totally brought me back and I just listened to that record you know day and night oh yeah you You and and me both I think we were in the same place yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I always told myself I was like man 
man, to make a record like this, it was just mm -hmm. so phenomenal and mm -hmm. just so genuine. And it really focused on the one thing that I really wanted to, which is a voice. And mm -hmm. I'm primarily, you know, I play guitar. I love playing guitar. I you're love playing an amazing guitarist. Well, your live I'm, raw set, just oh, the YouTube you. clips. I'm like, you're a badass. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But you know, my, my favorite instrument is my voice. You okay. know? So out of this album... Um, what you're most proud of, you would say, is your voice. Is that right? Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, on this record, my producer, Hilker Kudis, who's also a dear, dear friend of mine, it's not one of my best friends, mm -hmm. she um, is a multi-instrumentalist and is just filled with ideas. And, of course, her vision, um, that, you know, together with mine for this record, she, we just met. And, you know, we mm -hmm. were, like, you know, inseparable for a good six months of doing this record and just so inspired by each other. Typically, I go into a studio and... I want to record a lot of my own parts and mm -hmm. I felt very very much like I could let go of that on this record. I did play uh, some of the guitar stuff but mm -hmm. most of the instruments that you hear on the record are, are Hill. Okay. And um, she's such a phenomenal, you know, she'd be like, you go, you know, girl. yeah, like as a producer being like, why don't yeah. you try this? I'm like, if you have the idea and you can play it, why don't you try it? Sweet. I'm just going to sit back and sing. <laughs> and it was phenomenal. And I, it, even now, like when I'm on tour, um, I've decided to bring along a guitar player with me mm -hmm. because I would really, my focus, I really, really wanted to be mainly on singing. Ah, yeah. I see. Well, how, how have your fans reacted to the new you, Lucas? kind of, you know, still trying to figure that one out. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people really, really love the record. And well, I'm one I, of those people. I'm one of those people. Well, thank you. You're um, welcome. <laughs> I think other people are disappointed. You know, there are people who, unfortunately, um, and I always find it's the same kind of person. People who refuse to grow themselves also refuse the growth of artists. And oh. uh, Unfortunately, those people won't grow with you because they're not growing themselves. And, wow, you know, and it's statement. also a matter of taste. Sometimes, sometimes people don't like soul music. To me, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like music by genre. Mm -hmm. I like music because it's good music. You you're know, here, you're here. Yeah, like Count Basie had a very amazing quote that I always love, which was there are two types of music, good and bad. And, uh. <laughs> you know, but some people just kind of go that way. So I've gotten some, you know, criticism for, for, you know, changing the sound of the band and why am I keeping the name? of the band and I'm like well that's you know you it's your right band you can that. do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> one would figure right that's what I'm but, saying um, I don't know you know <laughs> just me yeah. yeah and I think a lot um, you know one part of it and it's a big piece of it is I used to have um, a very very big um, you know lesbian you know female lesbian audience right. and I think with my transition and sort of like my band suddenly not being all gay all the time um, or you know queer mm -hmm. representing as they think mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden I think there's a, an element of some of the fans feeling alienated which you know I feel that's interesting um, concern in them for because you know for myself as a musician and trying to stay you know afloat it is important for me to keep you know my fan base mm -hmm. but at the same time I don't want to alienate people by making them feel like I don't want them in my space anymore because that's not what I'm doing mm -hmm. at all I'm just trying to be myself and do what I feel the most comfortable with right. in myself right. but I feel like there's a, a big part of my female audience that has sort of dropped off um, specifically my lesbian female audience because I, don't, I feel that they don't feel represented in the band and I, I feel that they have 
that connection to the band mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about the music for them. It was also this connection. So, you know, I'm still trying to figure it all out, you mm-hmm. know. So it's it, this is a very new thing. We'll, we'll see where it heads. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where my audience is anymore, to be honest. Well, I think uh, one of the things that definitely helps is conversations like this one. So people can... Mm-hmm. They feel the music, but when they can hear what you what's on your heart, I think uh, they can see the perspective that you're coming from, where you're coming from. And it just, you know, some of us get, you know, kind of intensely overexcited about things. And yeah. it just kind of gives them a little bit more peace to understand your headspace and, and what you're doing. Um, I wish you success in it. Um, you are currently on tour. And I think we missed you. Are you going to come back? Say you are. Say you're coming back. We are, absolutely. We just did a a pledge music campaign, actually. There's a bunch of dates on there that you can see, Mm -hmm. um, places we're going, and one big leg of it will be the west coast of the United States. Sweet. We're talking Los Angeles and San Francisco, and when you get here, you're coming to see me, yes, in my studio, right? Absolutely. We're going to do a live set in our pillow play, right? I would love that. Okay, that's what I wanted to <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot right now. That's awesome. Okay, I'm so excited. I want. I can't wait to see you live. Um, I haven't seen you live yet. And uh, I'm really excited to get up close and personal and see what this energy that I'm feeling uh, on this phone is all about. Um, I'm really excited for you. They can keep up with your calendar and purchase black tie elevator at theclicks.com is that right you have a, or itunes or yep okay um the clicks that's c-l-i-k-s.com satin lounge get the album it's wonderful is there anything else you would like to share with your friends your supporters your fans uh, people who just unconditionally love lucas Oh, that's sweet. Uh, you know, I think you pretty much covered it. I think uh, the only thing, if I had to say anything, would be to fans that I've had before, um, to just keep an open mind and remember that, you know, as artists, our, you know, goal is to actually evolve and change. And uh, hopefully people can evolve and change with with us. You know? mm-hmm. Hopefully they can. Lucas, yeah. it's been honestly my absolute pleasure meeting you or talking to you, vibing with you, lounging with you, learning more about your journey and your passion. It's a very interesting and intriguing story. Um, Thank you for coming and creating love with me tonight. Um, Please know you're welcome to come back. I'm going to expect you to come through these doors when you do your West Coast tour. Um, uh, Much success to Black Tie Elevator. Uh, Your journey is absolutely inspirational. And as your journey as a human being, period. Okay. Um, Thank you. God bless you, young man. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Let's play one of my favorite songs off of the Black Tie Elevator in its entirety, Satin Lounge, before they kill me. Uh, Satin Lounge, you can um, also check out the video, as I mentioned before, at thesatinlounge.com. Leave a comment for Lucas. This is Savannah by The Clicks. You're inside the Satin Lounge with Kira Lucas, can you tell them to breathe it in? Breathe it in. Yes, sir. Don't go.